So we are in week five of our series, Be Radiant. And in this series, this has been a series where we have been talking about what it looks like to not only have one day of service, but to actually be a radiant church to our community, to not just say that we're radiant, but actually learn what it looks like to be radiant. And our series text for this has been Acts 10, uh, 38. And I just want to read that really quickly. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. You know, as we jump into this last week really quickly, I want to touch on one thing. God anointed Jesus, but he also anoints us. We have the same ability to go out and to speak truth and to speak life, to go and be radiant. That's not just something that Jesus had. It's something that we have too. The same power that rose him from the dead is alive in us. So we are going to talk about the values of Radiant Church today. So whether you call Radiant Church your home or this is your first time here, today we're going to be talking about our values as a church. So those are to live loving others, to live generously to live free, to live connected, and to live empowered. So the week one, Pastor Mike talked about living, loving others with his sermon about uh, knowing who your neighbor was, right? He talked about uh, the Good Samaritan and how that story all played out. So I don't want to go and unpack all of those messages again, but Pastor Mike talked about that. Pastor Jeff last week talked about living generous. So we have three more to cover today. We have live connected, live free, and live empowered. So I'm just going to start with this story real quick. I am a little bit of a competitive person. And recently, my in-laws got me into the sport of pickleball. (laughs) Yeah. Pickleball is the sport where you can get trashed by somebody three times your age and you get humbled really quickly. I was never going to play that sport, actually. I had no, I had no desire because I just thought it was like, forgive me, I thought it was like baby tennis. Um, <laughs> and I showed up to play pickleball and I got destroyed. I never knew you could be so bad at a sport, actually. Um, <laughs> And then, you know, obviously I've, I've gotten better over the month of playing, but I show up to play pickleball with them. They, they show me the ropes and sit me down. And then I show up in Jackson and I find out we have like an organization called like the Jackson Area Pickleball Association. And I'm the type of person when I get into a hobby, like I just kind of, it's, it's my everything for like a week. Uh, I'm on week four and it hasn't stopped yet. <laughs> but anyways... The whole goal with getting into pickleball in Jackson was like, I will find a community of people that I don't even know. Like, or I assumed, because I didn't think any of my friends played pickleball because I thought it was baby tennis. Uh, and I show up on the first night, and I meet some people from church that I've never met before. I'm like, they knew, and, and if that's you, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't know you. Um, but this church is so big, it's hard to meet everybody. It's hard to say hello and to be connected to everyone. So I show up, meet a couple people. I'm like, oh, sweet, this is cool. Tell, tell my wife, Kylie, I didn't expect to be meeting new people from church at Pickleball. I expected to have like, this whole entire uh, different group of people that I'd be getting to know. Show up night two, I meet like three more people. 
and then I start seeing people that like are my friends playing pickleball like in the nights to come. I'm like, how is this even a, like, a possibility? Nobody has talked to me about pickleball. Nobody has shown me like the greatest sport in America. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. No, it's pretty great. Listen, it's a good sport. It's like exercise and competition when you like smoke it down at somebody's feet and they like miss it. It's the most beautiful feeling in the world. Um, <laughs> anyways, my point is this. You know, we have to live connected. This is a new community to me, and I was finding a new connection, well, so I thought, with people that I had never had an opportunity to meet. How many times do we walk by each other sometimes and we just like, hello, you know, how's it going? I'm doing good, and then walk without our day. It's almost like we're on autopilot mode sometimes. And I found out very quickly that apparently I am on autopilot more than I thought because I am meeting a lot of people, really good people, playing pickleball. It's a community and guys, it's imperative that we live connected. We were designed for community. Like, it's in, it's in our very design was to be connected to other people, to not be an outlier, to not be the only person living our life. To, to, to walk alone was not what Jesus intended for us. So as we talk about point number one, living connected, I want to talk about kind of Jesus had this model to community, if you will. So Jesus had three, three close friends. He had 12 disciples, and he had crowds, right? So Jesus kind of gives us this outline, I guess, if you will, to community. So he had Peter, James, and John, like his three best buddies. We see that he would take them with him into important moments where Jesus had to only share with a few, where he knew that he could only take his closest circle with and then he had disciples, he had his 12, that he would talk to a little bit more openly. And then he had crowds who he would chat with in larger capacities. We weren't designed to be intimate with large groups of people, with masses of people. And there's studies out there that say that we can be effectively close with about 12 people in our lives. We can interact we can interact, not have close relationship, not be hanging out every single weekend with about 150 people. So if we have our circle of 12, inside of that is our circle of three, and then we have about 150 people that we can truly talk to um, at some point. Those are, the kind, those are the kind of people that we check up on, you know, maybe once every three or four months. Hey, what's up, dude? How you doing? You want to go play pickleball? Uh, oh, you don't play? I'll teach you. It's the best. It is. Um, but this is kind of the problem with social media. You know, we're talking about living connected today, and I want to talk about what it looks like to live intimately connected. We have, you know, seven, 800 friends on Facebook, and what we see is the news feeds and the highlights of so many of those people, and we tend to project that onto our lives. Why do I have the fancy boat? Why can't I surf pickleball 50 miles an hour? Why can't... I'm done with that. I'm sorry. I need to stop. Um... Why don't I have the life that he has? Why don't I have the life that she has? Like when we compare, like comparison is of the enemy, I believe it. That we don't have to compare our lives to other people. So we live connected. If the opposite of living in a huge group of people is living connected, we're going to say that as Radiant Church, we are going to live as connected people. 
We are going to have close contact and intimate conversations with those. So to be radiant means to live connected. Proverbs 18.1 says this, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. You know, how many times do we think that our thoughts are the best thoughts? I tend to be like that. I'm going to be really honest with you guys today. I tend to be the person that thinks like, oh, if it's my thought, then it must be so much greater than my friend's thoughts. And that's what it is, breaking out against all sound judgment, because my thoughts are never all the best thoughts. The Lord has greater thoughts every single time. The Lord gives our friends thoughts that are greater, that help us walk through moments that are going to be the wise thought that we need in a moment. But if all we do is stay in one lane and by ourselves and never talk to anybody or never get connected or never, never take time to jump into a community group or take the intentional moments to have deep conversations, what we do is we think about our own wisdom. You know, if we only seek our desires when they lead down the wrong path, we will have no one to help us see another outcome. To live connected is to be intentional with our time. And we live in a society right now that if you're busy, that must mean that you've made it. Like if I'm constantly moving, if I'm constantly busy, if I'm always taking my kids to band practice, if I'm always bowling, if I'm always you know, making sure that I am moving from the time I wake up to the time I go to sleep, then that must be success. But what we're doing in the midst of it is we're actually harming our souls. The fact that we don't take time to slow down and to spend time with our family, number one, with our friends after that. Well, number one's the Lord. Let me back up and just say that. You have to live a life connected to the Lord first, but we have to make sure that we have people in our circles that we can t- come to when times are tough. If all we are about is busy, we lack if all we are is busy. So if we find freedom in being busy, the moment that we're not busy and we sit there and we're bored, we're thinking about what we can do to be busy. And we forget about living connected. It doesn't even cross our mind sometimes. So Kylie and I, uh, we have been on a bit of a pregnancy journey for two years. So I'm just going to give you guys a little bit of a rundown here. Kylie and I, we've been married, oh gosh, um, almost six years. And we started to try to have babies about two years ago. We lost our first kid, um, and that was brutally hard, but I didn't know how hard it was. And then we have our son. His name is Auden, and he's like, you know, the Lord told me he was going to teach me how to love through that little boy. He's doing it, like getting to look inside of my child's eyes and say, like, I'm about to cry in front of you guys. It's just good. (laughs) It's good to know that. Like, the relationship that I've had between me and my son is a, really, is, a, is a small drop in the bucket of the relationship that I have with my father. And it's good. So, Auden actually just celebrated his one-year birthday in, Jan- or in June. And so, we were like, all right, it's time to have another kid. So, Kylie gets pregnant again. And we literally didn't even have a chance to announce it to people that she was pregnant before we lost it. Um... And that, that was only, whew, that was a couple weeks ago. So I'm kind of still processing it. (laughs) 
But I learned in the middle of this, the losing of this baby, that I never took the time to process the loss of our first baby. It kind of sent me down a spiral of nothing, actually. It was, I, I would feel nothing, so I wouldn't do nothing, so I would just feel nothing again, and I wouldn't do anything. And then finally, Pastor Jeff pulls me into my office one day and has a conversation with me. Are you sure that you processed the loss of your first baby? What Pastor Jeff did was show me, remind me of what it looks like to live connected because I didn't process the first baby. And he said something really bold that I never really thought of. This is like what it looks like to break out against all sound judgment. He said, if the first time didn't work, why would you try to do the same thing again and expect a different result? And I don't know the answer to that because it wouldn't work. So what the Lord did is he took me down a path of healing and like today I can say that what the Lord is doing, I don't know why we lost our baby. I don't know if I'll ever have the, the answer to that. I don't know why miscarriages take place. And if you're experiencing that, I want you to know I'm sorry. I don't have the answers to those questions. But what the Lord is doing is he's actually healing me through it. And it was all because one of my friends took a moment to challenge my thought process, to show me what it looked like to actually live connected to not simply just meander through this life emotionless. To live connected is to have a community that actually cares about you. Not one that says they care about you and then the moment you walk out of the room talk bad about you behind your back. That's not living connected. We have to find ourselves friends who will go to the mat with us. Pastor Jeff cried with me that day. To live connected is to know the most intimate things that are happening in our friend groups. And it's not so that everybody's tea is on display. It's not because everybody's business needs to be shared. It's because what grows, or what, what, what stays in the dark grows in the dark. And if all we do is keep ourselves in the dark... We don't have a chance to grow. If Pastor Jeff never challenged me, I don't know where I would be mentally right now. But he did. He challenged me. He showed me what it looked like to be a friend that's willing to have the hard conversation. So guys, I would say it like this. We have to find groups that know what sound judgment looks like. Because there are multiple different kinds of people out there. And not everybody has sound judgment. We have to know, we have to weigh, ask the Lord, hey, is this a good friend for me? Is this somebody that I can live connected with? Because when it comes to living connected as a church, it is about building each other up. It's not about tearing each other down. It's not about always living distracted. It's not always about trying to push things underneath the surface so that we can put on a smile and continue through our day. Living connected is sometimes breaking your walls down to the point of tears but the Lord bottles each and every one of those. Living connected is being radiant. So how do we you know, frankly to live connected is to surrender our own desires and put trust in godly sources. 
And we're a society that doesn't trust well. This is why it takes work. This is why we kind of have to dig the trench. We have to be willing to, to stand on the wall and say, I will live connected. I will be the person who will have conversations. So how do we live connected? The first one is simple. To find a small circle of faith-based friends who you trust with sound judgment. The second is allow yourself to be vulnerable. And I'll tell you guys, sometimes this hurts, and especially for men in the room, sometimes vulnerability feels like weakness, and that's a lie of the enemy. Because there are people that are going through the same thing you're going through, that if you don't step up and share about it, they might not either. But the moment that you crack the seal and begin to have the hard conversations, you realize your stories really aren't that different. You're not the only one living in a vacuum. Number three, you put in the effort to cultivate a culture of connection. We share in life. So sometimes it is just going to get ice cream. Those are the beautiful moments. I love ice cream. Sometimes it's sharing in joy. And that looks like, for me right now, it looks like pickleball. I don't even care what you guys think. I really don't. It's a great sport. <laughs> Listen, what other sport do you get to, what other sport do you get, to, never mind, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not. Um, every morning and evening, we play pickleball. I just want you to know. So there's an opportunity. If you want to come play pickleball, here's an invitation to play pickleball. I will, I will live connected with you so that I can beat you at pickleball. Um, I'm kidding. Somebody's going to smoke me now. Uh, I love you guys. But every morning at 8 a.m. and every evening at 5.30, we play pickleball. I'm not there every evening, obviously. But here's your invitation to share in some joy of playing pickleball. Right now, it happens at Ella Sharp. Uh, they're building courts and cascades. Come play pickleball. <laughs> you also share in the pain, though. You know, if you share in the joy, there's going to be a moment where you share in the pain. And for Kylie and I, it was walking through pregnancy with our friends. Now, Pastor Jeff was just one of those moments for me. There's many moments, and frankly, there's still going to be moments. But living connected is giving an opportunity for healing to take place and to trust the people around you with your vulnerability. Guys, our faith is livable. If we're going to live connected, if we're going to live free, if we're going to live empowered, we have to know that our faith is livable. It's not just something that we do on Sundays, because if all you do is do it on Sundays, you'll feel void for the rest of the week. If Sunday is only a recharge, you're going six days depleting that battery. No wonder you feel like I can't make it till Sunday. When we live connected and we challenge each other, you know, everybody wants to be known. I've said this a couple times. Everybody wants to be known. Everybody wants to be loved, but we often don't want to be challenged. When we can get to the point of being comfortable with being challenged, that's when we can live connected. So number one was live connected. Number two is to live empowered. <clears throat> And these are our values, so this is just part of Radiant Church. Right? We, we live loving others. We live generous. We live connected, and we live empowered. So youth group here happens every Sunday evening. 
And we have an awesome team of youth leaders. Like, they're so good. Getting to work with a team who loves Jesus and loves students, like, it's my favorite thing in the world. And one of our leaders had gotten really sick. She was dealing with some health problems. And um, frankly, she was nervous about the outcome, what was going to happen. And she had been cleared by her doctor to show up to youth group one night. And I kind of fought her on it. First off, I was like, are you sure you should actually be coming to youth group? This is the dedication of this lady. Yeah, I feel like the Lord has told me I need to be there. I feel like he has something for me. Sweet. Go ahead and come to youth group. So she shows up to youth group. And she's not doing great. I feel confident that she's doing well enough to be at youth group, so trust my judgment here. Uh, she shows up to youth group. And we kind of have a similar flow to a Sunday morning service at youth group in that we'll sing a couple songs and we'll pray and then we'll jump back into another song. And oftentimes, like, I'll try to challenge students to step out and to grow a little bit. So sometimes what we'll do is we'll ask the students, hey, ask the Lord, what should you pray for in the second song? And I'll have a couple students come up and pray. It's always powerful. And one night, we had two students uh, hear the Lord say to pray for healing. And the Lord immediately triggered something in my heart and said, this is, this is good, we're not done with this, after they had prayed. So I knew that one of our youth leaders was having... Um, some health issues. And one of our students, I, I asked her, I says, hey, will you go ahead and pray over this youth leader? And she does. And I'm telling you guys, she like prayed and then she like just totally ripped off this like prophetic prayer. And in the moment, it's like she stepped into the flow. Like a student is ministering to one of the leaders. And this is one of my prayers, that your children would grow so deep with the Lord that they would know how to minister to us. And it was happening in this moment. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. She's living empowered. This student is doing it. And then she, she prays this prayer. And it's kind of like, she's not being flippant with it, but she's just praying what the Lord says and not really stopping on certain moments of the prayer. She's just like, and this and this and this and this. And it's awesome. And then she says this phrase, you are in the valley, but the Lord will carry you to the mountaintop view. The next day, she prays for healing, so I want you guys to get this. She prays for healing, and the next day, this youth leader winds up in the hospital. Extremely bad infection in her body. Uh, I don't, you can let your imagination wander with that one. It was, it was very, very bad. And as she's contemplating with Jesus about her life and what's happening and what could happen? What could be the outcome? She remembers this small phrase from a prayer at youth group the night before that said, you are in the valley, but the Lord is going to bring you to the mountaintop view. All because that student was living empowered. You know, when we live empowered, it's not just about ourselves. It's about those that are going to be impacted by what the Lord wants to do. Because we're not a vessel simply for ourselves. Because if all we were was a vessel for ourselves, we're missing the point of the church. So what that student did was they lived empowered in the moment. Guys, we play a role in the kingdom. 
Like, I wish I, could, I wish I could communicate to you the urgency of this. To live in power is to be radiant. And it's because there are people that are going to hell that if we don't live empowered, might never get the chance to meet Jesus. Now, we don't carry the weight of this, but what we do is we are a vessel spreading seed. And to live empowered is to spread seed. It's to communicate the good news of Jesus. It is to give that word to somebody that is hurting. It's to share in life and in love and in the kingdom with other people. When we live empowered, we live in a source that is not ourselves. And I want to say this really quick. What's actually happening here is you're giving up control. You're giving control to the only one who knows everything. Every outcome, every emotion, every word that needs to be spoken, every medical diagnosis, every mountain, and every valley. He knows everything. But get this, you are not the source. You are not the source. And that's a beautiful thing because that's a, the glory of the Lord is a crushing weight that we could never handle. But when we live empowered and say, Jesus, live through me, Jesus, speak through me. Holy Spirit, move through my life. When we live empowered, we are saying, hey, I'm not the source because I'm not good enough and I never could be. But Jesus, I need you in my life to show me what it looks like to walk out the truth that you have. God has a plan for each and every one of you. And there's somebody in the room that's doubting that today and I want you to know that the Lord has something for your life. You showed up here this morning for a reason. It's not just because church sounded good or because a friend invited you. Even if a friend invited you, okay, so the friend lives in power and invites you to church, but God has a plan for your life. You have a story that is unique. You are the only you. You are one of one. You are a unique creation of the Lord. And when we live empowered, other people are going to be impacted by it. Not everyone's journey is identical. But when we live empowered, lives will be changed. 1 Corinthians 12 14 through 18 says this, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong, that would not make them any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make them any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were pastors, where would the church go? If the whole body were children's leaders, where would the parking lot crew be? If the whole body were ushers, where would children's ministry be? You know, we're all empowered for something different. Our journeys aren't all the same. But living empowered is something that we must do. God arranged all the members in the body each one of them as he chose. We all have a role to play. And just because everyone's role isn't the same doesn't make you any less important. Without the body, or without you, the body doesn't function. When we live empowered, we are radiant. And when we live empowered, we practice a livable faith because our faith is livable. So we live connected, number one. We live empowered, number two. And then we live free. So I'm going to kind of power through this one, but Galatians 5.1 says this, For freedom Christ has set us free. 
Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. You have been bought at a cost. You have been ransomed. You have been given a new lease on life. But how do we live this out? I want to say this first. It's not performance. The Lord doesn't need your performance. He doesn't need you to sing a song perfectly. He doesn't need you to say every word correctly. You don't have to get caught up in the small stuff, if you will. God did not set you free so that you would get his work done. But living a life of freedom is living a life of gratitude. Look at what the Lord has done. You know, sometimes to live free means that we take a step back to just sit in the quiet moments and thank the Lord for all that he is and all that he's done. But freedom is not a, or freedom is a gift, but it's a choice. Paul says in that verse, he says, can we throw that back up real quick? He says to Galatians 5.1. He says to submit. So, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So, in the same way that freedom is a gift, freedom is a choice. Because we have the choice to submit again to that. Or we have a choice to live connected. They all connect. It's kind of cool. Or we have a choice to live connected and to live free with a group and a community that knows what we need at every moment. Paul said, do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. To live free is to know that Jesus came to set you free. It says that. For freedom's sake, we were set free. Romans 8, 1 8, 13, I'm sorry, says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So living free sometimes looks like us putting to death the deeds of the body. And this may have to happen multiple times because sometimes we want to submit again. And I want to say this really quickly. Let's say you do end up submitting and you end up failing. The Lord still loves you. Living free is knowing that you are a son and a daughter of the king and that sometimes we're going to mess up, but we have to run back to the Father, not from the situation. To live free knows that he has open arms just waiting for you. Jesus gives us a fresh lease on life and a new meaning. Jesus gives us an ability to live free. You know, even, even darkness will grow darker, but light will grow lighter. And when we live free, what we're doing is we're planting a stake in the ground and saying that I will live in the light. I will be a child of God. I will, I will confess the fact that the Lord loves me even when I don't feel lovable. At some point or another, we were all that one sheep that Jesus went to save. And sometimes we have to just sit there and remind ourselves, hey, Jesus loves me enough to leave that group to come and find me. Living a life of freedom is recognizing the gift of salvation and running into the arms of Jesus. So we live connected, we live empowered, and we live free. So we have to know who can I connect with? What is Jesus asking me to do? How do I stay free? And you know, staying free is sometimes asking what do I have to lay down so that I can pursue a wholehearted relationship with the Lord? Our faith is livable. We can live loving others, live generous, and live connected. We can live empowered and live free.
This is what it means to be radiant. So as we finish up this series, remember, guys, we were designed for so much more. We have a good task to do. To be radiant cannot stay inside of these four walls. To be radiant means to go out into the community and love others well. Right? So let's go ahead and stand up. I want to pray for you guys. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence this morning. Thank you that you give us the ability to live a life with eyes fixed on you. I pray as we exit today and go about our week that this message would stick, that this Be Radiant series would stick and that you would remind us in moments we need it. That we would see strangers passing us on the streets and recognize that they are loved by you, deeply loved by you in the same way we are. Would we have the courage and the boldness to pray for people when they need it? To be a listening ear when somebody needs it? To be radiant? In Jesus' name.